the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And it is Panhandle Live for the sixth day of December, 2023. Broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building. Really interesting show for Hoppy Kerchival coming up here in just a couple of moments. But we'll talk about that on the other side of our illustrious program. It is Panhandle Live with myself and Marsha Kavalik in studio. And Marsha, recovering from the Martinsburg Christmas Parade. Uh, it was, was that uh, fun? It was different. I'll have to tell you, you know, if you saw me out there, and uh, I appreciate those of you who waved, uh, let us know, 304-263-4321. had a lot of extraneous forces working against me in the parade yesterday. Were there small children darting across? No, them? not necessarily. It was just that the way the van was decorated, it illuminated the front of it. I thought it was a cool setup, but you couldn't see the back of the van very well. There was a lot of people straining to be like, what is this? This guy's playing. Who is that? He's playing music in a dimly lit van. <laughs> but the lights that we had were in the front on the windshield. Right. The Christmas lights, you know, to illuminate and whatever. Keeping and, it from being completely creepy. Well, and keeping me saying. from being able to see anything at all out of the windshield. Oh, gracious. So I just kind of crawled along with the little Santa hat on. We're blasting music. My ears are never going to be the same. Was it Christmas music, I hope? Oh, absolutely. It was, right. it was the best Christmas selection that you can currently hear on today's 97.5 W. WLTF, um, but there were a lot of th- there's a lot of people that were yelling things at me, and I would just wave at them, but I right. couldn't hear what they were saying. So somebody was probably like, "Oh, this guy's an idiot," and I was no, like, "Hey, I'm, thanks for coming out." I'm sure it was all positive. <laughs> I hope so. I'm you, sure it was. If Luke. you saw me at the parade yesterday, let us know three zero four two six three four three two. Was your first? It was my first ever parade. My my wave was perfected by the end of the route. Awesome. Um, with that said, that's enough about me. Let's get. No, that's question. awesome. Well, also a local institution, of course, Habitat for Humanity of the Eastern Panhandle. Their executive director joins us in studio. That's Robin Keys. Welcome in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being in. So, um, how how's the year been? Let's just start with that. You know, it's um, been kind of rough in areas. Um, we're still not back from COVID. I mean, the community has been very generous, but you know, donations are still down. Um, people are still recovering. Right. So. Um, does it help that, you know, in the recent news cycle, uh, both Jimmy, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, uh, who were probably the most famous volunteers for Habitat mm-hmm. uh, for Humanity that I can think of, um, kind of getting that that touchback of, of, oh, yeah, these folks are out here. It's good work. Does that help? Well, you know, we're, we promote that, you know, they're participation in Habitat and how much we appreciate it and stuff. But Habitat International has been very big on us not using that to try to raise money Mm. um, or increase donations or anything like that. So, you know, maybe in a roundabout way it might mm -hmm. help. But Absolutely. So uh, you said donations have been a little down, but the work continues. So uh, what are some happy updates? Well, we finished a house at the end of last year, moved a family of... um, five in well they're actually family six but five of them are actually at home their one daughter's off at college um so they are still doing very well um, which is great to see um we have um started a home preservation repair program which is just for small repairs um exterior 
for stuff like painting or fixing some boards on a porch or doing landscaping. Or something then why like is that. that important? Well, a lot of people aren't able to stay in their home. A lot of times their insurance companies get on them because the front of their house isn't painted. And sometimes they get, um, if they live in the city, sometimes there's code officials that are fussed because this isn't done or that isn't done. Um, and they just don't have the money to do it. So... What, what is it about homes in this area specifically? Is it just the fact that we've got older buildings that have been here for a long time and just over time they're starting to deteriorate a little bit? Yes, and you have an older population in some of those homes. Um, we have a senior population that um, there's not a lot of extra housing for them, so they're trying to stay in their home, and we, you know, we want them to. We, you know, that's where they raised their family. That's where they've um, done all their... Um, they're living, and that's where their memories are. Uh, are you um, finding that a lot of these homes that you know have these minor repairs, you're replacing hot water heaters, air conditioning units, uh, appliances that are the original to the house that have, have been there as long as the house has been there? Well, no, because we're not doing that type of I repair see. right yet. We'd like to grow this program, but right now it's just we've done more landscaping mm -hmm. than anything else. But it's just stuff to help them stay up to code and things. And yeah, be because those the house. fines can add yes. up, I'm sure. Yes. Um, if someone is not familiar with the Habitat for Humanity model, uh, what do you guys basically do for folks? And and what is their buy-in? Um, we do we we do a lot of things for um, families um, and individuals, and we partner with a lot of community agencies in order to do that. When someone comes to us um, wanting to build a house, um, we always refer them over to like Telemon for budget and credit counseling and home buyer education um, to make sure they're ready to buy that home because um, we don't want to put somebody in there that's not ready. Um, that's just we're doing them a disfavor. So then we actually um, find the lot and we build the house, but that family puts in um, sweat equity into the program and by building that home. So that when they go in the home, they should already know how to make a lot of those repairs because they've put that sweat and equity. We think that helps them, that buy-in, that time and effort makes them more willing to take care of that house because they know how hard it is it was to build it. Do you have a handle on how many homes uh, Habitat for Humanity, the Eastern Panhandle, has built since its inception? 38. Wow. She knew that immediately. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. And is that in the greater Eastern Panhandle or is that particularly in one county or another? Um, most of them have been in Berkeley County, um, but there's been one in Morgan County and there's been two in Jefferson County. Um, that's one of the things in our strategic plan, though, was we want to try to expand that and do more in Morgan and um, Jefferson County as well. Our guest this morning is Robin Keyes. She's from Habitat for Humanity of the Eastern Panhandle. Uh, what kind of difference does it make for someone uh, to be in a home, especially if they've got a family? A lot of times it um, helps the children do better in school. It, um, they're stable. They have that stable place to come home to to do their homework. Um, it helps people become um, maintain steady jobs. A lot of times employers are kind of, Eh, if you don't have a you know a steady address and that sort of thing, so it, it helps people keep their employment. It can also help their health care, um, both mental and their and their physical health, um, because they're not stressing over where that next you know where they're going to live tomorrow, where they're and that's and we make sure that um, their payment is not more than like thirty percent of their income, so they have money left. That's important too. That um, I think some people might think, oh, you're donating a house to these folks. They yeah. have mortgages. They do. They do. They're zero percent mortgages, 
but they do have to pay the money back. Our guest this morning is Robin Keyes from Habitat for Humanity of the Eastern Panhandle. Uh, so some of us like to give back by shopping. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm raising my hand here. Uh, so uh, Restore was part of the community for a while. It went mm-hmm. away. It might be coming back. It is coming back. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited about that. Um, we have been looking for a location, um, and we We've got one underway. Um, I don't want to jinx, give out the location because I don't <laughs> want to jinx the lease process or anything, but I will say it's on the north end of Martinsburg, um, a very well-traveled area, easy access, um, give us room to be able to display our um, donations. Um, and let me just say, too, that the ReStore is basically a nonprofit's home remodeling store Um, we can take things like donated furniture appliances construction material that's left over and we can resell that at a discounted price to folks and a lot of people who are familiar with that model um, who are doing you know work on their own homes or friends or relatives house that becomes their default they'll check it restore first Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool yeah, it is. And, and um, you mentioned a parade. We were in the Charlestown Ransom Parade, and we were in the Martinsburg Parade last night. And we didn't hear it as much last night because we had our windows rolled up. Because um, <laughs> it's cold. It's of cold. Course. Yeah, cold and rainy. But um, we were hearing people going, Restore? Really? Where? You know. <laughs> so, I mean, the need is out there. Um, the desire is out there. So we were, we're trying to get it turned around. And any money made in that Restore, <clears throat> excuse me, um, goes back into our mission, whether it's, you know, f- to build a home um, or t- for the operating cost to run the, the um, agency or whatever, but it all goes right back into the, the habitat. Well, can we kind of tentatively talk timeline? Because I'm sure there are sure. people that are interested, A, in shopping, and B, people are probably going to get new furniture for Christmas mm-hmm. and are thinking about hanging on to what they, you know, in- instead of... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. To wait and give it to, exactly. to restore. Uh, yeah. What is kind of the tentative timeline? Okay, so we are hoping our lease will be in place within just a week mm-hmm. or so. Um, and then we have to get in there during December um, and January and do any build out that we need to do. Um, we're hoping to be able to do a soft opening in February and then a grand opening in March. Mm-hmm. That all depends on, you know, the weather and donations and that sort of thing. But um, that's what we're working on um, right now for donations. We are we don't have a way of picking them up yet, um, but if you have something out th- that you want to donate, you can drop it off at our office, um, or if it's something bigger and you have a way to get it to our storage unit, we can meet you at our storage unit um, and that sort of thing. So we are starting to accept the donations. Ah, so even before the company comes for Christmas, you can get that, get yeah. Grandpa's rocking chair out. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds oddly specific, doesn't Very it? Specific. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Robin, I'm sure <coughs> folks uh, are listening. Some there might be some who who didn't know Habitat was was active here. Uh, how can folks find out more about what you're doing? How they can get involved in some of the projects, and of course, how they can donate or meet up with you guys to donate for Restore. Okay. Um, well, we have a Facebook page. Um, we also have a website www.habitatep.org. And on that website is a good place you could go and you can donate. There's a you could go in and go through PayPal through there to donate. You can also um, send the donation to our office, which is at 6:30 West Race Street in Martinsburg. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. To volunteer, we now use Volunteer Hub. So I don't know if anybody's ever heard that, but you can go to Habitat EP. 
www.volunteerhub.com and you'll find Habitat and you can go in there and you can sign up to be a volunteer. And then that I can send alerts like when there's going to be trainings and every time there's an event, I can put that on there. Then you can sign up for yourself. So, so what kind to. of volunteers are, are you looking for, for for store employees, for people to help with these construction projects? What, what all are you looking for? Right now, everything. Um, people that might want to help us. Um, you know, move the furniture, move, get collect the donations, um, work in the store, um, because we're only going to have two employees in the store to start with. Everything else will be done by volunteers. We'll wow. have a store manager, and then we call him a donations ambassador hmm. that will coordinate the donations, pickups, and that sort of thing. So we need lots of volunteers. Very good. Well, our guest this morning, Robin Keyes of Habitat for Humanity of the Eastern Panhandle. Anything else you want the listeners to know before we have to let you go? Um, just that we... Um, are very thankful for the community we live in and we appreciate everything that everybody out there has been doing for us and we just pray that you'll keep it up no, Merry Christmas and I hope <laughs> you get a Christmas. new store for the new year yeah, thank you <laughs> well we've got a break to take we'll take a break and when we return we'll be joined by Mac Warner West Virginia Secretary of State you're listening to Panhandle Live broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival building in Martinsburg it's Panhandle Live Welcome back inside the Hoppy Kirchville building. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire on Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at countryroadstire.com. Today, really interesting conversation uh, with Robin Keyes of uh, Habitat for Humanity of the Eastern Panhandle. I've got to say, the dresser I have in my apartment right now came from a Restore store. Uh, That's you so can cool. always find some great stuff over there, Marsha. I know. It's it's way cool. Uh, also, someone who's doing some neat stuff this week, and uh, you'll get to hear from him even more this week, is uh, our next guest, West Virginia Secretary of State Mac Warner joins us. Welcome in. Hey, great to be with you. And I got to tell you that the, the Restore was my wife's favorite store. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's You never know. You ne- It's Windows. It's pictures it's couches you just never know what you're going to find so uh, we're going to be happy to have it back in in uh, martinsburg coming up at the beginning of the year um one before we get uh started with the rest of the conversation are you going to be doing something special this week regarding uh pearl harbor day remembrance day i sure am uh, tomorrow morning at the mast of the uh uss west virginia there on the grounds of wvu uh campus i'll be making remarks and uh sharing a message that uh really is a poignant in today's world. It, it's one of uh, the Roman general uh, said that if you want peace, you must prepare for war. And George Washington restated that uh, during the revolution. Um, and, and it's a message that can be lost. Sometimes in the good times, we overlook uh, what is necessary to keep our freedoms, our peace. And unfortunately, on October 7th, Israel just learned that uh, in just the worst imaginable way. Um, and so that's the message a lot of times people want to just talk about December 7th, you know, uh, 1941, but it's really 1950 where that was driven home to us at the beginning of the Korean War. Uh, we had let our defenses down after World War II. We were on top of the world and beat Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. Um, and then we got our butts kicked in North Korea, almost got run off the, the peninsula. It took a masterstroke by MacArthur to uh, save us at, uh, with the Incheon landing. And, and so the message resonates throughout today. If we start, um, a, a Korean general came here to the United States and he made the observation that, you know, Korea has been around for 4,000 years and it's a common people, a common religion, a common language and so forth. But he said America, it's a, it's a diversity, it's a mosaic of, of people and religions and cultures and races. 
He said, what unites them is the American flag and, and the idea of freedom. And, and if we start losing sight of that and we start uh, you know, kneeling and, and destroying the flag and uh, just taking our freedom for granted, it only took five years between the end of World War II and then what happened in Korea. So uh, it doesn't take long to, to let that dissipate. You saw we had our 9-11 moment, and America rallied and united behind uh, one another. And here we are you know, 15, 20 years later, and you see the people kneeling uh, and taking the, the flag for granted and so forth. So that's the message. I won't uh, belabor the point, but I appreciate you asking about that. So you have an opportunity for a leadership role uh, statewide. Obviously, you're, you're Secretary of State right now, but you've put your hat in the ring for the governor's race. And we're going to be having a big debate tomorrow evening. Hoppy Kirchville will be uh, running that show. It will be broadcast on the affiliate stations like ours at 7 o'clock. Um, so uh, talk about how you're prepping for that and, and what your message is going to be. Well, this is an opportunity for the people of West Virginia to look at the candidates, and uh, three of us will be there. The three that are from West Virginia will be there to talk about our vision and our plans for the state. I think it's just a great opportunity to size us up. We don't know what the questions are going to be. It's going to be spontaneous. Uh, Hoppy's going to ask questions. I'm sure he'll interrupt and keep the dialogue flowing so that he keeps us on our toes, and that's what this is all about. That's the message I want to bring to the people is I have this experience. I've been all over the world. The military has trained me. Uh, they sent me to broken societies. I've been in thriving societies. I've seen what works and what doesn't work. And I want to bring those experiences here to West Virginia. I've done it in the Secretary of State's office. We've transformed the way we vote. Everybody's going to be voting on the latest equipment because of things that we've done uh, with grants and leveraging it with the county clerks. We've been working with the county clerks to, to get this done. We've taken off 400,000 names from the voter registration list. And meanwhile, we've transformed the way we do business in the state. We have more businesses operating now than ever before. Uh, we've made it easier to start a business. So if you like what I've done in the Secretary of State's office, give me that chance to, to do it for the state, for DHHR, transportation, highways, you know, all the different state agencies. I, I've done this like over in Afghanistan. I work with the Supreme Court, the Ministry of Justice, the Attorney General's office, and the Ministry of Women's Affairs. Those are different uh, large organizations at the national level. And I was the one responsible for advising each one of those with a staff of over 100 lawyers uh, to, to advise on how to get things done, trying to bring a rule of law to this broken society. Well, West Virginia is not broken, but we certainly have challenges. And I want to bring that same mentality, leveraging technology and using the skills that the military has given me um, to, to transform West Virginia and to just put, us, uh, put, our, put our foot on the accelerator on the good things that are already happening in the state. Well, I want to ask out of curiosity more than anything, and I'm not asking you to give your entire debate strategy away, but are you going note cards tomorrow, notepad? Have you done a lot of opposition research? What are you <laughs> going to have with you on the on the podium? No, this isn't really a time to uh, attack others, although I would like to bring out the distinction between the three of us that are there versus the one who isn't, the person who thinks he already has this wrapped up and he just couldn't be further uh, mistaken. Uh, we're talking Patrick Morrissey, and uh, Patrick's not from the state of West Virginia. And I think that a governor from the state, I wouldn't want to go and try to be the governor of New Jersey. Uh, I just don't have that background. I feel very comfortable being the governor from the state of West Virginia. I was born and raised here, went to public schools here, got a wonderful foundation here. And so that's why I want to be the governor. That's what I want to share with the people of West Virginia. This isn't necessarily a time to attack the other candidates because we've got some good candidates in the race.
Our guest this morning is West Virginia Secretary of of State, Mac Warner. He will be on that debate stage tomorrow evening. Note cards or not. I'm not sure if that (laughs) question got answered. But um, with Hoppy and and a few of the other folks vying for the vote uh, next year in the primary, is there anything you want to to let the listeners know or how can they find out more about the Secretary of State's office and uh, your campaign? Well, the Secretary of State's office is easy. That's wvsos.gov. That's the website, it's easy to, to, to get to. My website is MacWarner.com. That's the campaign website. But the thing that I want the people to, to know is that I've got the experience that I'm running for governor to be governor. I'm not running for governor to then run for the U.S. Senate or some other office, and I think that may be in the sights as uh, maybe another candidate or two. I want to be governor of West Virginia because I love West Virginia. I want to improve West Virginia. I'm at the top of my career. I'm I've had decades of selfless service throughout the military with the State Department, with Secretary of State. This is just a culmination of all those experiences, and this is a chance for the people of West Virginia to have that sort of leadership at the top. I've got a wonderful wife, Debbie. I've got four wonderful, successful children. I think we would be a great first family to represent the state and uh, live in the governor's mansion, work very closely with the legislature. Those are the skill sets that I bring to the table that are unlike any of the others. So. Uh, that's the message. I appreciate you asking that question, and I want people to understand why I'm running for governor. Absolutely. Well, our guest this morning has been West Virginia Secretary of State, Mac Warner. Uh, and, sir, we appreciate you giving us the time. We look forward to uh, hearing and uh, seeing you tomorrow in the same room as the legendary Hoppy Kirchhoff. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take right. care. Thank you. We've got a break to take. We'll continue the conversation with our next guest in just a moment here on Panhandle Live. It's Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network. The show goes on here in the Hoppy Kirchville building, Panhandle Live with Luke Wiggs and Marsha Kavalik. If you missed any or part of our earlier conversations with our guests, you can uh, check this episode out when we post it on our Spotify page coming up here in just a couple of moments. But, Marsha, our next guest joins us in studio. That's right. Uh, Senator Mike Stewart joins us in person. He's running for attorney general in the great state of West Virginia, uh, and he's in the Panhandle uh, I guess this week a little bit, right? Oh, it's been fantastic. I love coming to the Eastern Panhandle. You know, I'm originally from Barber County. I live in Southern Kanawha County today, but when you get to the Eastern Panhandle, first you get championship football teams, right? <laughs> 10 years of championship football from Martinsburg Bulldogs. It's amazing. Congrats to them. But I just love it. I was traveling around. I've been in Charlestown, Harpers Ferry, Martinsburg. I'll be here for part of this week. Uh, it makes multiple times I've been here because I'm truly committed to this panhandle. Uh, I think it's critically important that economic engine, we don't see that in southern West Virginia. Mm. And we can learn a lot from what's happened right here. So, you know, we've known you as, uh, you know, a U.S. attorney. You're obviously uh, well-versed in, in the law. When when you think about business opportunities, is that something the attorney general has to protect, you know, in terms of the state and its opportunities for manufacturing and and protecting its own interests in, you know, in the worldwide players? So critically important question. Absolutely. And at no time in our history like today, uh, the attorney general really lives in the federal courts. And one thing I want folks to understand as you look at this race, attorney general, I know folks are like, oh, my God, politics again. Will it just go away? Uh, Not I for several months. Folks. I understand. what, folks, And then it starts again. Right. But attorney general, like no role in the state, I think it's much more important than governor today. That attorney general is going to live in the federal courts fighting to be able to drill, frack and mine the beautiful, bountiful energy beneath our feet and also to be- make sure that business has regulation off their backs. 
I have 25 years practicing law at the highest levels, whether it's U.S. attorney, partner at two major law firms, and uh, I, my opponent, I'll point out, hasn't practiced law for a long time. And I say this, if you're, if you're in big trouble, if your family is in big trouble in the legal system, are you going to hire an accountant? Or do you want to hire a lawyer? It's like it's like brain surgery, right? You have to go under the knife. Are you going to hire an accountant to do that job? Or do you want to hire somebody who's experienced a brain surgery? I think what we need today, like no time in our history, is an experienced attorney general who's worked as a United States attorney, who's won in the federal courts, who's spent his life dedicated to doing those types of things. And we need it today like no time. It's critically important. So how do you keep things on your radar? If you if you get this position, your attorney general, because, you know, we get uh, press releases from the current attorney general a good bit, uh, Patrick Morrissey, where he's, he's, he's all over the place talking about, um, you know, protecting uh, consumer rights and, and that, you know, big things that might fly under the radar, but might impact our, our waterways and, and that. How does one, you know, Stay abreast of that. Well, I'll say this. When I ran the United States Attorney's Operation for the Southern District of West Virginia, appointed by President Trump, confirmed by the United States Senate, Senator Manchin, Senator Capito both supported me. It was bipartisan. But that's part of your role. That U.S. attorney role is larger from a uh, size standpoint than the attorney general's office. I did it. I did it well. We prosecuted two members of the state Supreme Court, mm. uh, largest Medicaid fraud takedown in the history of West Virginia, largest elder fraud, huge problem in West Virginia, elder fraud takedown in the history of West Virginia. More important, took enough fentanyl off the streets that could have killed more than 40 million people. I'm real proud of that. I was here before to talk about that wallet I carry in my pocket filled with the victims of the opiate crisis. I still hear from those moms, those dads. I still maintain those relationships. But running a big operations, things I've done before. And so this will just be changing hats and getting back in the chair of doing something I'm real natural at. And uh, that experience with Trump, I've endorsed President Trump. I understand some people don't like him, but he's going to be the next president of the United States. i got a great relationship with him. I'm very close with the new attorney general from the state of Kentucky, Russell Coleman. I could get him on the cell phone right now if you want to have him join the conversation. And Brenna Bird, the attorney general from Iowa. Those collaborations that I have with other attorney generals across the country will reap incredible benefits for the state of West Virginia. And I look forward to that moving forward. Well, in your conversation, like you mentioned, with other state attorney generals, you know, what else do you think is on your radar of issues that you feel you'd have to tackle if you were elected? So a lot of issues we don't have time for because I know you get guests you behind the, me. You give us the bullet, the <laughs> so bullet the bu- list. So here's the bullet point list. I want to continue the work of Patrick Morrissey on that federal overreach. Drilling, fracking, mining, critically important. I know there's not a lot of coal mining right here in Martinsburg, but there is a heck of a lot of revenue that comes to Martinsburg as a result of drilling, fracking, and mining. CPS has become Child Protective Services, our foster care system. I can give you my assurances. If I'm the next attorney general, we're digging down deep into the CPS system. This idea of children being locked in a shed in Sissonville, not okay. But that's just a symptom of a bigger problem. I'm going to dig down deep. We're going to fix that system. It's broken in a terrible way today. And I'm going to build a first full-service law firm. And what I say by that is we hire a lot of personal injury attorneys from outside West Virginia, Morgan & Morgan. Some of these firms that are hard to believe, 
my opponent's loading up dollars from personal injury attorneys across t- by, by the truckload. Cash is flowing into his campaign. And trust me, they're not flowing f- funds into his campaign because uh, they just think he's a nice guy. Uh, it's going to reap benefits when he's the attorney general. But we're going to build a first full-service law firm where I have the capability inside to be able to represent the state of West Virginia and state agencies. Drop the cost of government and focus on internal capability. That's what I did as U.S. Attorney. That's what I'll do as Attorney General. But we have a whole bunch of critically important issues as we move forward. And I can really get into the depths of the practice of the law, things like Chevron deference for those lawyers who are listening that appears in the Supreme Court in January which says to entities like the EPA and the FDA and the uh, FTC, you have no right to set these rules against us. Congress has that authority. And so we'll see what happens in January. I'm hopeful the Supreme Court rolls back that principle that lets the EPA cram their values down our throats. We talked a lot about uh, federal advocacy, but uh, on on state terms or in terms of, of families who just you know, maybe feel like they've been wronged, uh, is there still going to be a consumer advocacy arm under you know if if you're elected to the state attorney general's yeah, office? In fact, we're going to supercharge that because I think it's important that when people call in, we're your lawyer, and so just like a good law firm. We're going to run it like a good law firm. And so when Mrs. Smith calls in with a complaint with respect to an issue she's got with a contractor that ripped her off, we're going to be able to put her in the in the queue so she can follow what's happening in the operation. We're going to run it like we represent you. I think it's critically important. Consumer protection, we've got to soup it up, make it bigger, put it on a supercharger so that folks know that we're vested in your interest And keep this in mind, I won't be the attorney general for the governor or for the legislature. I'll be the attorney general for the people of West Virginia. That's why we independently elect the attorney general. It's critically important. My website is makewvgreatagain.com. I urge folks to go there. I'm the only proven conservative in the race. I'm the only one who's been practicing law for over 25 years. If you want an accountant... I was an accountant with PricewaterhouseCoopers in an earlier period of my career. So you get uh, you get uh, the best two uh, with one vote. Uh, and I'm not bought and sold by special interest. I'm a guy who fights real hard for these things, and I'll fight for the people. Well, I do want to kind of pivot, if you don't mind, and ask sure. you, out of curiosity, kind of a, a sports-related question. The stir- current at- Attorney General, uh, Patrick Morrissey, has talked a lot about the situations with the NCAA. He's talked a lot about Raekwon battle situation, all this stuff going on across the country that a lot of Attorney Generals are trying to jump in and handle situation in collegiate athletics. I mean, what kind of power and influence would an attorney general have in a situation like that? Can you kind of explain to people that have seen that Patrick Morrissey, he said he's, he wants to help, what help can he actually aid? So we have – antitrust is a violation of West Virginia law and federal law. And the Raekwon battle situation at WVU, where we have a person who's transferred to WVU – who's eligible to play, but we have this crazy group of -of out-of-control figures. It's something called the NCAA. I'd love to figure out an acronym uh, that fits with that because these folks need to be taken under a legal challenge. I can tell you this. If I'm attorney general from the state of West Virginia, I would have already filed suit against these guys. It's outrageous. If you're named Kansas or North Carolina or Duke, every transfer gets approved. 
But if you're at West Virginia University, Marshall University, all these challenges, these these transfers that want to come in, they get denied. It's outrageous the way this operation works. We need to pull out of the NCAA right now if this is the way they want to operate. But I would play Raekwon Battle. I'm going to be deeply involved in these university matters. I want to win on the football field and the basketball field. And I challenge the NCAA to get in the way. This is critically important. A lot of folks say, gosh, it's just basketball. It's just football. Are you kidding me? It's our relief from the politics crap that we see all the time. And so I think we need a challenge to the NCAA. And uh, and at the end of the day, I think West Virginia could lead the effort there. Our guest this morning, Senator Mike Stewart, uh, shouting out your website. Anything else you want our listeners to know before we have to let you go? No, it's Stewart. That's the one thing. I don't care how you say it, but it's S-T-U-A-R-T, Mike Stewart. And I have a ton of experience. I'm a fighter, natural fighter. I think I'm interesting. I think that's what people want, too. I'm with President Trump. I've supported him for a long time. But MakeWVGreatAgain.com. MakeWVGreatAgain.com. I'm underfunded. I'm understaffed. But I've got more energy and more fight than any candidate in this race. And we're going to win this thing because we have grassroots support across the state of West Virginia. Right. Thank you for having me. Very Thanks good. And we, uh, we hope you enjoy your, your visit through the Eastern Panhandle. We appreciate you giving us the time. That's great. Hopefully I'll be back very, very soon. Absolutely. We've got to break the take. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on the Panhandle News Network. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Final segment of Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online to at countryroadstire.com today. Our next guest is in studio, but before that, Marshall, we do have a quick uh, traffic note to pass along. Alert Berkeley says there's an urgent uh, roadway shutdown at the six-mile marker, I-81 southbound, just prior to the Inwood exit uh, for a traffic accident. Yeah, I can see that really starting to pile up on 511, but uh, we'll continue to update that as we have more information. But uh, as mm-hmm. I said, Marcia, we've got our next guest with us in studio. Well, speaking of transportation. <laughs> and he's brought visual aids. <laughs> he sure has. Matt Mullinex, and we know from the uh, Hagerstown Eastern Panhandle Planning Organization is in. He's talking about a really exciting transportation hub that is coming to Martinsburg. Welcome in. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so we're super excited uh we, sorry, Elaine Bartelson was unable to make it. I'm usually used to her and I going on the Kind of pointing where about, she yeah, might be sitting. She, she's right, like, here. right here. Right here, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's the EPTA Multimodal Transit Center, the Eastern Panhandle Transit Authority, that's going in uh, at the former Berkeley Glass Facility site uh, at, the, at 412 West Ray Street in Martinsburg. Um, it's a $20 million project that's going to involve a new administrative building, Uh, a new transfer center for bus passengers, new maintenance and storage facility, a new fuel canopy, 55 public parking spaces, five EV charging stations, uh, handicap accessible parking, all in the city of Martinsburg, all in downtown. Are you guys getting a traffic light for that intersection? Uh, We are not, but we are getting some crosswalks installed. Okay. Yeah. So So that's going to be busy. Well, surprisingly so, um, when you look at the bus schedules, there's only a couple times, there's only, I think, around noon when all the buses are there together, So because they're always out and on the move. Mm -hmm. So this is is big. This is big news. Multimodal 
So yes, yeah. So not only will um, folks be able to to catch the bus there, to make bus transfers there. Um, we have bike parking that's going to be right next to the Raleigh Street uh, bike path. You can walk there. If you're in a wheelchair, you can wheel there. We're relocating all of EPTA's existing um, facilities from from, five, Novak. from Novak Drive, which mm-hmm. is five miles out of town um, that you can't easily walk or bike to. Um, so folks will be able to go right there for board meetings to get tickets to hop on a bus. They can use it as a bus stop. All that's going to be available to them. Is that the biggest advantage of moving it downtown, you know, moving the location a little bit closer and a little bit more accessible? Or, you know, you talk about combining all of these facilities into one place. This, these are all the advantages of building the facility? Absolutely. So so right now, when when a transit a fixed transit route stops, either in Jefferson County or Berkeley County, they we call it deadhead miles. They have to deadhead where they have no passengers all the way back to Novak Drive. Mm-hmm. So um, by tra- just from a bus standpoint, you're going to save wear and tear on the buses, right? You're not going to have buses on the road, which in increases safety, uh, and then operation costs go down. So fuel, maintenance, things of that nature. So that that's one element, yeah, that really helps. And yeah, you know, so for the public, again, there's, there's EPTA right there. Like you kind of have to know where it is right to go see them today, but um, soon it's going to be one of the flagship facilities in the city of Martinsburg right when you come in on Raleigh Street. So break down the prog- project a little bit. You know, how much is this going to cost when it's all said and done? Just guesstimate, I guess, or, um, you know, uh, range of cost. And also, what's the timeline? Yes. Yeah, so um, we've received about $20 million in grants. About a million of that has gone to engineering and design. Uh, the next $19 million is going to be used um, to build the facility. The bulk of that has come from what's known as a raise grant uh, that we were able to receive in June of this year for $10.3 million. It was all federal funding. It required no local match, nothing from EPTA, from the city or from the county, anybody like that. So we're super excited about that. That had support from Senator Manchin, Senator Capito's office. Um, once we break ground um, and the bid goes out, so we're hoping to go out to bid in January. So next month, so right now, all the documents are getting signed and sealed, reviewed by the lawyers. Uh, and then we're expecting it to be about an 18-month process to finish construction. So roughly April of 24 to October of 25, it will be done. It will be open and operational. And then just a couple months after that, EPTO will actually celebrate their 50th anniversary. So they've been in, in the Eastern Panhandle and the Martinsburg area since 1976. That's a nice little anniversary gift for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. And um, so how do you... See this changing things for the daily rider in the panhandle because, um, you know, right now where they're located, they deploy to other um, counties and that. So will this change or augment the service now that they're going to be based in Martinsburg? So a lot of the fixed routes and stops won't necessarily change, but for riders, say, for example, that do transfer. So they say you hop on the bus at Walmart for the 14 and and you go to the train station to get on uh, the 18 or the 10 or the 20. Um, so now a lot of those those transfers that happen, they're, they're just kind of out, right? So you're in front of Walmart. Uh, another one's located right in front of Gabe's Brothers. One's down at the train station. One is out in front of the hospital. So if it's raining, if it's hot, if it's snowing, you, know, you have bad weather, um, some of those areas uh, too, like the if you're in a wheelchair, the pavement that they use for the lift is uneven. It, it can be difficult to navigate if you're mobility challenged. Um, now all that will be um, beautifully housed right here. Uh, for those, I'm pointing to my visual aids, which helps <laughs> no one listening, but does help <laughs> help us in the so studio. So if you're hopping on, like at the library, for example, yeah. but you need to go somewhere else, maybe maybe you're going to Jefferson County. Yeah. And so you would then go to the hub 
You could go to the hub. It depends on uh, sometimes there's stops that already hop on and, and would take you over there. Oh, gotcha. Otherwise, but yeah, so it just takes you right back there. You you have all the amenities. You can wait. There'll be benches. You're sheltered from the sun. There's timelines of where your buses are, like um, their arrival times and things like that. So you can plan all around that. So yeah, um, I, I think it's going to really enhance. Um, the safety uh, and the experience for the riders, um, both those today and those that we expect to come in the future. Well, I want to take a, take a step back, if you don't mind. You know, I'm from Morgantown, and the, the bus system in Morgantown wasn't something that crossed my mind until my sister, um, who has autism, now takes the bus to work. She takes it to go to the bookstore and things like that. You know, for people that just haven't really considered bus routes as an option, you know, you just mentioned grocery stores, libraries, hospitals, these are all things that can become accessible and cross-county travel as well into the train system. I mean, you know, what all can people use the bus system for if they haven't considered it as an option? Yeah, uh, there's there's no saying like anybody that you see on the bus is either riding somewhere to make money or spend money, right? And so, uh, as you mentioned, so there's, there's essential services, um, folks, you know, uh, that uh, might be mobility challenged, they rely to get the hospital for dialysis. Um, folks that just Go to work, you know, like the EPTA runs down to, they have, uh, I can't think of that route number right now, but they go to Clorox, to PNG, you know, a couple different oh, shifts. Wow. They go out to Quad, they go to FedEx, you know, um, they go out to uh, the VA, to um, uh, Quebcor, I think. So a lot of facilities like that. So it's not, I mean, obviously, you know, folks who have medical needs, that that's high priority, but it's also utilized for folks uh, who are just going and returning from work. That is way cool. So obviously one of the things you want to do is keep folks safe on the road. You've got that safety survey going. Oh, yeah. So mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit before we have to let you go. Sure. Yeah. So the safety survey um, is open until December 15th. Uh, so far, we've received a little over 400 responses. And within those responses, what we call map markers, we have about 1,100 map markers. So that's somebody dropping a pin on an interactive map saying, I have a concern about safety. I've experienced a near miss. This is a congestion item, or we have just kind of a catch-all. It's like this is this is just what I want to tell you. I don't want I don't All want right. to click through All a right. bunch what of are, drop downs. What I are just, the major complaints right now? What are the areas? Yes. Can you can you spill that tea? <laughs> yeah. So some of it would probably be what you might expect. The usual suspects. There's concern about ID one. There's Knew a lot it. of concern about Apple Harvest Drive and mm -hmm. West Virginia 45. Um, both which have high speeds, you know, or are construction zones. But one thing that I've noticed, so we did a similar study or similar survey, excuse me, in 2018, so roughly five years ago, there's a lot, I'm seeing a lot more comments specifically targeting driver behavior. So um, it, it is complementary with like, here's an engineering problem, a geometric problem, a design problem, but I'm seeing a lot of folks are Folks are staring at their phones at the stoplight. Um, people are driving too fast. People are looking at their phones while they're passing. You know, people are being too aggressive or too distracted with their driving. Um, so we're seeing a lot more of that, which is which is behavior specific. So folks can weigh in. What's the website that they can? Uh, so if they go to hepmpo.com, uh, go up there, scroll down just a little bit, you'll see uh, a link to the survey. You'll see it under announcements, and there's a splash screen as well. Well, our guest this morning has been Matt Mullenix. We really appreciate you giving us the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, one more note we want to pass along before we clear the air. Hoppy Kirchival coming up next with an edition of Metro News Talk Line. At 1130, we're going to announce the Metro News High School Football Player of the Year. You're not going to want to miss that. And then, Marsha, our boss, Jared Parsons, 
uh, talking about the newly flipped over cool 92.9 WXDC in uh, Morgan County is going to join Hoppy Kirchival to talk about that radio station change. Uh, that's going to happen at approximately 1145. You're not going to want to miss that. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find it on our Panhandle News Network Facebook Make It Spotify page where we're going to post today's episode. For Marsha Kavalik, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.